Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. And a big thank you to all of you who made the right decision yesterday. I'm aware that our announcements did lead to the cancellations of some really important events, and this will, I know, have caused real disruption. I am sorry about that, but it did feel that this was the right thing to do, given the information we had, and more importantly, the information that we didn't have. I know that our hospitality industry was heavily impacted yesterday. Before I hand over to the Health and Social Care Minister and to our Director of Public Health for an update, I do want to clarify a comment I made yesterday about the support for our businesses. What I wanted to convey was that we didn't envisage putting in place any new arrangements at this stage. Our track record on providing financial support to businesses is a good one and the salary support scheme is still in place covering businesses for COVID-related impact in February. It doesn't matter if it was yesterday, today or the whole month. The Economic Recovery Group, led by the Treasury Minister, will continue to monitor the overall position and the impact our decisions make. Thank you once again to our business community who, alongside the general public, listened and acted doing the right thing for their island. Yesterday, we told you that we could not explain the two cases that we had seen. We were concerned that there was a risk that COVID may be present under the surface of our community. But the evidence that we had yesterday was not conclusive, so we wanted to give ourselves another 24 hours to test and trace in order to be able to make decisions based on evidence. We wanted to see if we could understand and link these two new cases and importantly, we wanted to get all the high-risk contacts of these contacts identified, isolated and tested. We have now done that. I can tell you a little bit more about that and where we are heading in a second. First, let me hand over to the Minister for Health and Social Care for an update on testing. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken now stands at 32,873. The total number of tests concluded is 32,850. That means at the point that the snapshot report was taken for the figures today, there's 23 people awaiting the results of their tests. The total number of new COVID cases identified in the past 24 hours is zero. And so that gives us a total number of active cases at the moment of 48. And the total number of cases over the outbreak is 484. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. And now, without further ado, let me hand over to the Director of Public Health for an update on our understanding of the current cases. Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, we obviously still have the, uh, the ongoing cluster linked to the STEAM packet, and for that, we have no additional cases that we're identifying that link to it. So it's just the cluster as it has been standing for the last few days. The two cases um, that we've been talking about today are the two unexplained ones that have come up from the community without a clear link to the existing cluster um, or indeed 
to any other source of infection. Um, we have to remember that the steam packet isn't the only means, uh, well, the steam packet cluster isn't the only transmission chain that may be out there. It's possible that some of the other returning travellers who have tested positive may somehow have seeded infection into the community in ways that we haven't identified and have no understanding of. So the issue there is that we potentially have missing links. We don't know how the infection got to those two cases. We don't know if there are links that we're unaware of that relate those two cases to each other or to any other cases. So that means that we cannot be completely clear that there isn't other sources of infection out in the community, but we're not seeing it coming forward in symptomatic cases or through the surveillance testing so far. That may change, but that is the position at the moment. So the contact tracing that we have done has identified that none of the contacts of those two cases are themselves positive, and that means that they are not a risk for having transmitted the infection further on before they were put into self-isolation. So that's good news, um, and that's where we are at the moment. Obviously, we have to keep a very close eye on things and see where the further cases emerge that may change our thinking, but that's the position for the moment. Thank you, Chief Minister. And thank you very much, Dr Ewart. Now, the fact that those people around our two unexplained cases have now all tested negative is grounds for optimism. Despite rigorous investigations by the contact tracing team, we are still not clear as to how these cases arose. They remain unexplained for the moment, and that may be the final position we find ourselves in. But as things stand, we are as confident as we can be that there has been no further transmission from these two cases and at this moment in time, we have not seen any further cases. The Council of Ministers met earlier today to consider developments. We have decided that we do not need to bring in any further formal measures at this stage. We have looked at all the options and concluded that we are content for people to go about their business once again. This means that schools, nurseries and University College Isle of Man can open as usual tomorrow morning. We will of course continue to monitor the situation very carefully and things might change and might change rapidly. The next week or so will be very important in that regard. So we do need you to please maintain a high level of vigilance. Keep going with the highest levels of hygiene. If you have any COVID-like symptoms, then stay at home and call 111. Please think about what it might mean to you if we do need to do another circuit break. Be ready. Just because we are not doing it today, it does not mean that we will not need to do it one day soon and maybe at short notice. This is especially true for businesses. Thank you for what you did yesterday and please continue to ensure you are ready to do so again should the need arise. So no measures today. We believe that this is the right and proportionate approach given the evidence we have. But if the situation changes, then of course so will our approach. But please rest assured that if it is needed, then we will do it. We will always do what we judge to be the right thing for our island based on the best information available. Some people have been asking about social distancing and the use of face coverings. Some people have been suggesting that we should make this obligatory straight away. At Very this good. stage, government is not going to insist on this.
that may come, but not today. Again, it's about a proportionate response to the, to the issues that face any of us at a given time. Before we move on to questions, I do want to take a moment to update you on our vaccination programme. You may have seen coverage in the UK media that the NHS is expecting a significant increase in vaccine supply in March. and We are working closely with the UK to understand what this means in terms of deliveries for us. We are still waiting for final details, but we are being told to expect a real uptick. The team here is ready for this. We are reinforcing the teams to ensure that we are able to increase the pace and maintain that new pace for as long as necessary. We will, of course, let you know more as soon as we have any further update. In the meantime, the programme continues to make great progress. As of last night, 84% of those in the first two priority groups have now had at least one dose. To remind you, this is all those over 80, all in our residential care homes and their carers and all frontline health staff. And now, of course, we are vaccinating at pace our over 70s and those who are clinically extremely vulnerable. So now when we look at the almost 20,000 people in our first four priority groups, where the vast majority of risks are at risk of serious illnesses rests, 70% have had at least one dose. Every day we continue with our vaccination programme is a day where more protection is in place and a day closer to our ultimate aim. Now, David, is there anything you would like to add to this or, or maybe where we are on inviting the next groups for their uh, appointments? Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, at previous briefings, although it's quite a while ago now, I did point out that in March we were expecting a much higher delivery of vaccine within our schedules. So March was going to be a month where we got a real uptick in our delivered schedules anyway. So this additional news that there may be even further supplies than we were expecting in March is a real bonus. The team is all geared up for that and we will be able to do hopefully several thousand more vaccinations than we were planning to do each and every week. In terms of people being invited for the vaccine, the last of the over 70s letters, which have been going out in batches, will be going out next week. And also the first of the batches for those aged between 65 and 69 will be going out inviting people for their vaccine. As I've stated at a previous briefing on our current um, data, we believe that everyone in the vulnerable categories and those over 50 will have received their first dose by April the 19th. So that is excellent news and that our vaccine programme is continuing apace. A couple of other bits I wish to touch on. In terms of Nobles Hospital, we will be keeping PPE requirements in place. And so people may see people wandering around the estate using PPE um, more than they would in normal circumstances. That is nothing to worry about. It's just a very good precaution to keep in a healthcare setting. Also, unfortunately, one person who was involved in the steam packet cluster who tested positive for COVID has now been admitted to hospital. Um, I believe they are stable. They are receiving oxygen, um, but they have now been admitted to hospital. So we do have one COVID case within the hospital. We will continue to have in place while we do our watch and wait over the next 10 days of um, visiting restrictions to uh, limit people coming into the hospital. So people will still have to sign in um, and they still will have to explain why they are visiting. So we do ask people in health and care settings to try and limit visitation wherever possible. Thank you, Chief Minister. 
Thank you very much, David. And um, that's really important progress. Um, I think on behalf of David and myself and the whole team, we wish the person who's gone into hospital with COVID a speedy recovery. Right, let's go to questions from the media. And first we have today is Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Fast am I, Chief Minister. Excellent. If we start with business support, in terms of what happened yesterday with closures, businesses are telling us that even with salary support, some of them have lost up to 400 bookings last night. Some of the hotels have lost a lot of money as well in terms of lost food that's gone to waste. Are they able to, to apply to the Economic Recovery Group for support on this or where are decisions made in terms of what will be available to them? Well, the existing schemes, Sam, run up until, as it happens, the end of this month today. So we have support for businesses that if they can show a loss of income for the month, it doesn't have to be just yesterday or any income down today. If they can show that their, their income for the month is down, I think, by 25%, then they are entitled to business support. So um, it's not just that one day, it's the whole of the, the whole of the period leading up to that period. So that is the support that's already there for those businesses if they find that they are down on, the, on their income as a result of COVID, because we did obviously have the lockdown for a chunk of January, and that will can be taken into the loss of income. Thank you. And just secondly, um, Mr. Ashford said about an increase to the NHS for vaccines. In terms of what I would do to the rollout, obviously we're seeing at the minute April 19th for the over 50s. When are we expected to know if this will increase? Do we know what how many extra vaccines we may be getting at this point or is it very much up in the air? Yeah, um, no, we don't know the figure as yet. We have been informed by the UK that we are likely to be receiving additional supply, but that is still being worked up. Um, to be frank, any amount of vaccine we receive on top of what we're expecting is good news. Um, we will then have to reprofile and see if that brings people forward, but we're ready for that. The teams are ready to book additional people in if we need to do so, and we're ready to accelerate the project based on supply. We've said all along we can vaccinate to the supply that we are given, um, and we'll be able to step that up um, in line with the extra supplies available at very, very short notice. So it is a good news story. Um, but at the moment, on the current supply routes we know about, all over 50s and those in the vulnerable category will have had at least one dose of the vaccine, um, should they wish to have one, by April the 19th. Hey. Thanks very much, Sam. Now we move on to Paul Moulton from Alaman Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Well, the first thing I've got to do is wish you a happy birthday, Chief Minister. Well, thank you very much, Paul. A lovely presence, spending my afternoon with the gentlemen of the media. You having a party? <laughs> yeah, I, I should. I think when you get to my age, you, uh, you those go out the window, don't they? Okay. Now, you had very um, to define protocols about situation if there was unexplained cases, and that would be the three weeks was needed between, uh, you know, hearing about it, the shedding, shredding that goes on, and so on. This time you haven't done that. Is this new protocols you're making? And of course, as far as I'm aware, we haven't heard which variant we're dealing with yet. Right, well, regarding the variant, I'll ask Dr. Ewart to come in on, on a sec. I, I think throughout this pandemic, Paul, we're learning as we go along. And if there are variants of of the number of cases and um, the seriousness of the situation, then obviously you can't have one size fits all. So we, we've tried to respond to this where we've known that it was one cluster at, at the time and um, we weren't seeing a sporadic spread scattered around the rest of the community at, at, uh, or where large events had been held. Well, we're trying to look at this on a case-by-case -case basis. And what I don't want to do is say, 
that if you've got X, then this is what happens. We're trying to be as flexible as possible. I, I know the hurt and, and pain it can cause to businesses, to people's health, mental health, etc., and our children's education if we have a, a significant lockdown straight away. So we're, we're trying to just look at the evidence and um, be as realistic as we can based on what's happened in, in the past. So as I say, we're learning all the time. But I don't know, David, do you want to expand on that before I move on to Dr Ewart? Uh, yes, if I may, Chief Minister. Um, they always say, you know, a week is a long time in politics, Paul. Well, I think a month in a worldwide pandemic is an exceptionally long time. So it's easy to forget sometimes where we were in January. And January is very different to what we're seeing now. We've seen two unidentified cases, which is a concern because we can't trace back the transmission route as to where they came from. But what we were faced with in January was slightly different. We'd had the two household clusters that came off the back of December. Um, they had themselves had several high-risk settings. We then in the January had someone as well who had been involved in a high-risk healthcare setting that actually tested positive. Again, we didn't necessarily at that point know the chains of transmission. And from that case, we then saw secondary transmission onward as well. And then a couple of cases popping up as well where we didn't have the link. So it was much wider than what we're experiencing at the moment with these two particular cases. If we saw something similar to that again, then we would have to reconsider our position, but we're not seeing that at the moment. So I think what we've got to do, and it was in the Chief Minister's speech before about proportionality, we have to be proportionate to the risks that we're facing. Um, and this situation, like I say, it's easy to forget now four or five weeks on, but it's very different to what we were experiencing at the start of January. Okay. Right. And Dr Ewart, would you like to come in on the variant? I know you've got an update there. Yes, thank you, Chief Minister. We got the latest results through from Liverpool yesterday afternoon, and that gives us sequencing on all positive PCR samples that were sent over. Um, the last, most recent one was the 22nd of February, so we don't have sequencing on the two cases that we've been talking about over the last couple of days, but we do have sequencing on everything up till the 22nd of February. And since the 17th of January, all the genomes that have been sequenced have been Kent variant. So that includes the um, positives that are part of the steam packet cluster. And it also includes some travellers who've come across but not been part of that and who should have been isolated. Um, as I commented before, we cannot therefore be sure whether these two cases that we have at the moment are related to each other and or to the existing cluster or whether they possibly link back to other travel related imported cases, we don't know. And in fact, when we get the genome sequences back, um, the high likelihood is that they will also be Kent variant, but that again will not be able to tell us precisely whether they link to the cluster or whether they potentially link back to other imported cases with the same variant. Thank uh, you. Just to finish on that, have we been lucky yet again, the third time lucky? Well, to an extent, you always have a little bit of luck, Paul, but I also think it's, it, it clearly shows that our contact tracing team are exceptionally professional mm -hmm. at what they do. They've gone out there quickly, they've worked them into the night to find out who are the key contacts of anyone with a case and quickly get them isolated, get them swabbed and get the test. So, yes, there's always an element of luck that um, more of these cases haven't been, say, um, asymptomatic and they've gone around spreading without letting anyone know. But the fact 
that we've done so well, um, I would say is a, a great part of that will be down to the professionalism of, of our teams who do the contact trace and, and across the board, all our team working together, but that area in particular. Right. And my other question, obviously knocked off the headlines, was the steam packet situation. The inquiry took place. Um, this inquiry, you've got your new protocols in place for that. That was an inquiry. Therefore, will it be made public exactly what happened, where the, where the full issues were, what's being sorted out, and will the public know about it? Well, clearly there was um, an opinion that the steam packet felt that it was only their UK-based um, crews that had to comply with the, the rules of quarantine, and we were under the impression that they knew it was their um, entire crews that had to comply with that situation. We've come up with a, a solution whereby testing and vaccinating their staff moves us out of the position where hopefully we don't need to ask them to quarantine as long as they strictly adhere to the PPE wearing on board the, the ship while sailing. I don't know, Dr Ewart, if there's anything you'd like to add to that. Uh, I think that covers it very well, Chief Minister. We can reduce as far as possible the risk from the steam packet crew, but we can't eliminate it. Um, obviously, because of the nature of the work they do, and indeed others in other transport-related um, areas, there is a remaining risk that we will see this again. So, you know, we, we're going to have to live with it. Okay, thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you. Right, now we move on to Richard Butt from Isle of Man Newspapers. Good afternoon, Richard. Fast am I. Yes, I, Chief Minister. I want to then clarify, first of all, the two cases that um, were mentioned yesterday. Are they related? Are they from the same household? And I'd like to know also how they've actually been tested and traced over the last uh, 20, 24 hours or so um, after, this, after they've been identified. Right, I think I'll go straight over to Dr Hewitt on that to, to provide that information in detail. Uh, yes, I've, I've already said that there is no known link between those two cases. They're not in the same household and we can't find a link in time and place between them. And the number of cases, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact number of cases, but I'm glad to say it wasn't in, in the past where we've had individuals who seem to have parted around half the island. In this, this case, it was a very low number of, of cases. Are you able to add anything to that, Dr Hewitt? Uh, we're talking about these two cases. Obviously, their contacts have been traced and where appropriate tested, and that includes household contacts and contacts beyond the household. I can't give you the number off the top of my head, but I can say that we've all the test results back and they've all been negative. We're talking dozens of people or a few people? No, actually... In both cases, these were positive cases that did not have huge networks of close contacts. They hadn't been out partying or inviting lots of people into their homes or what have you. So compared to some of our previous cases, there were fewer close contacts to test. Thank you. Thank you. Is that you finished, Richard? Sorry? No, yeah. no, one yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking that, uh, as you said, yes, the, the circumstances um, now from early January have changed largely because we had a lot of vulnerable people and elderly people vaccinated. And I'm wondering in terms of what um, Mr. Asher said about proportionality, as we go along with more and more people being vaccinated, the risk of a, of a serious outbreak affecting a lot of people diminishes. And I wonder how much that 
is taken into consideration when the Council of Ministers is discussing these sorts of things. In other words, why might we have had a different result today if this happened two, two months ago? Um, no, I think at this moment in time, the Council of Ministers are looking at elimination of, of the virus on the island whilst our vaccination programme rolls out. Now, when we get to the end of April, beginning of May, or dependent on the amount of vaccines, the extra vaccines that we get, which the Health Minister has just discussed, it may well be that you know we will alter our thinking on that. Uh, obviously, once you've got all that um, bracket protected, then you can start to look at... Um, instead of eliminating the virus from the island, of, of living with the virus on the island, because obviously you've protected all your key people. So going forward in a couple of months' time, I'm sure we will be taking into account the fact that we've vac um, significantly vaccinated a large number of people. But when we came to our conclusion today, we didn't take any um, bearing on the fact that we had already done um, a, a good number of our first two groups. Thank you very much, Richard. Um, now we move on to Josh Stokes from ITV Granada. Good afternoon, Josh. Fast am I. Afternoon, Chief Minister. Um, now, it's been mentioned but not made totally clear here. What is the precautionary planning now if more unexplained cases start to emerge in the community? And what will it take now for the government to legally impose any sort of circuit break lockdown? Does it still come down to the number of unexplained cases? Well, it, it'll come down, I suppose, to the, the, the number and the severity of the situation. It, the really, there's no cast-iron set of rules on um, you get three and we're definitely going to do X. It, it will be, a, a lot of it will be based on the advice of, of our Director of Public Health, for, ex for example. So with that, I'll, I'll bring in our Director of Public Health to um, expand on that. Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, obviously... Unexplained cases are the major indicator of concern. So if we start to see more of those, then we will become more concerned and we will use our response levels in the document that's published on the website as an indicator of how we might then ramp up response levels. But as the Chief Minister said, the hard numbers are not the only uh, driver of response. It depends on the nature of the cases um, and whether they truly are unexplained um, and widely disseminated in time and place, which would give us huge cause for concern, or whether they are actually not unexplained after we've completed contact tracing and do in fact form clusters um, with clear lines of transmission, which we would hope to contain by addressing those. Thank you. Okay, thanks. And your next one, Rob? Thank you, uh, Chief Minister. Second question, going back to the steam packet company investigation, can we be totally clear here? Were any laws broken over the last 11 months from what crew members should have been doing within their direction notice? Because that surely is crucial given people have been sent to jail for COVID breaches. Yeah, well, we, as I say, as, as politicians, were assured that um, the the crew had to, you know, if you look at the wording, that they had to quarantine when they came off the ship if they were when they were working on, on their um, ship the steam packet felt that no the wording was purely that um, it should only be for the off 
island crew that were working when they came onto the island. At, at this moment in time, I don't think there are any criminal procedure or prosecutions going ahead on this. It's been a genuine misunderstanding of the interpretation of the um, direction notice, and we're happy to move forward now. We, we think we've found a solution which reduces the risk to people off the island by um, the vaccination and the weekly testing of all staff um, when they come back to, to, to the island. And this review, this investigation, will it be put into any kind of documentation and made public at all? Um, I'll have to speak to the Chief Secretary on that. As I say, we, we've not really found any criminal wrong, wrongdoing. It, it was a genuine misunderstanding of, of the situation. We've now worked out a path forward to protect the island to the best of our abilities, which I think Dr Ewart mentioned um, just, just now. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm happy to leave it at that. Um, I'm, I'm, misunderstandings can happen. We're, as we're in a pandemic where um, nobody was prepared, no one, uh, you know, for this sort of outbreak, where we're living, living it and finding out new information as we go along. Yes, um, we thought the rules were clear, but no one intentionally broke the rules. It was a genuine misunderstanding of what they felt their direction notice was. We've clarified it. We've changed it slightly to, to help going forward. Uh, at the end of the day, we, we, we need the um, cargo, etc., coming over and people coming over on our boats. And that's the reality that we live in. So I don't see any um, prosecutions going forward at, at this stage, Josh. Right, next we have Rob Pritchard from 3FM. Good afternoon, Rob. Fast am I. Pastor my Chief Minister, you say the two cases remain unexplained. You said that earlier today. And then you've also referred to the asking the public to be ready for something like a potential circuit break lockdown in case we needed it. So why do you think it's the best course of action that you're, you're telling people today to go about their business as normal, given the situation still seems pretty precarious? Well, of the two people that had unexplained uh, COVID-19, we have tested all their all the high-risk people that they were in contact with going back the 48 hours or more um, previous to them um, testing positive for COVID-19. And all those people have come back as negative. So all those people are in quarantine. They've tested negative, which means they haven't been spreading the virus onto people, even if they go on to develop it in, in the coming days. And therefore, that, to the best of our knowledge, and with no one else coming forward um, with COVID from those two cases, we um, feel that we can carry on as normal. But we are saying heightened um, you know, vigilance for everyone, really, as, as a result. It, it's, a, it's a call based on the risk and the evidence that we have to date. No more cases. The cases of the, of the test on the people that surrounded these two people have come back as negative, and therefore we, we can't go shutting down the island every time we have the, you know, the odd case of, of this happening. We have to be proportionate. We've got the evidence, and based on that, we've decided that for the time being, we don't need to lock down. That's not saying that sadly in two three days time there might have been someone who's um, symptom who's asymptomatic and um, they've passed it on to someone there's just no evidence at this moment in time but I don't know David and then Dr Hewitt if you want to expand on that yes yeah, thank you Chief Minister if I may Rob um, I, this is in line with the protocols that we've had throughout the pandemic period people can go online they can look at the government documents that are there that explain how we deal with different situations as they emerge and the different levels and the different steps that we would take those are still relevant they are still in force um, in relation to two unexplained cases while 
while it is a concern, uh, because anything that is unexplained is a concern, we do have to accept when dealing with a virus these will happen from time to time due to asymptomatic people potentially being in the chain of transmission. What is important is to try and control that and, spread and prevent onward transmission. We believe at the moment, as confidently as we can at any given point, that we may well have done that. Time will tell, but we don't believe at the moment that it is necessary to start moving to other mitigation measures, um, which, would, which would actually have impact on the wider community. There is always a risk. There is always a residual risk with anything we do, but we believe at the moment that there is no need to go forward with any further measures at this time. As the Chief Minister has said, that may change if further evidence emerges, but we don't have the base of evidence that would require us to do a circuit break lockdown at this current time. And I went through just before why this is very different to the situation we found ourselves in in January, and I'll hand over to Director of Public Health. Thank you. I don't really have anything to add to that. I think that's all been covered very clearly. Thank you. Okay, Rob. Uh, th thank you. Uh, second question, just on the subject of going about business as usual. Schools are opening as normal tomorrow, but naturally parents and carers could be extremely nervous about sending the children to school given the circumstances. What would your advice be to them? Well, obviously, we've, we've, you've just heard that um, we're as reasonably confident as we can be that um, it, it's perfectly safe to do so. There's been no cases um, that have come forward from the contacts of these two people, and, and therefore the people that they were around during the two days beforehand have not been shedding the illness um, to, to any other people around the community. So obviously if that situation changes, then we will of course instantly advise the, the people. I know the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture has been speaking to all the um, head teachers today to discuss um, going forward. But it's, um, you know, there's, there's no guarantees in life, but we, we've taken good steps. We've been quick off the mark to test and isolate the, the two people. And people should carry on with their, with their lives as normal. And, and obviously the risks to younger people in comparison, say, to your, your mother or your father are significantly less. Thanks Thank very you. much, Rob. OK, now we move on to Tim Glover of Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Tim. Fast am I. Uh, La Rugri Asuni Diet, I think, is the Manx greeting appropriate for today, Chief Minister. Right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm just following on from Rob, really, in the schools. We've had a lot of uh, parents being in touch. Uh, uh, school attendance, I'm led to believe, last week even was uh, a lot lower than it should be, um, about 75% at Peel, for example. Um, we've got a, a message in here. I won't be sending my little boy in this week. And this lady is clinically vulnerable. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of worried parents like myself. Um, so is it OK to keep children off? And will there be online provision of some form? Well, it's we're not saying it's optional. We're saying schools are open as normal. It's back to business as normal. So no, if... If your child has a health problem or is showing any signs of one one of um, of COVID nineteen, then of course keep them off school and ring one one one. But no, it should be business as usual. I'm not aware of a seventy five only seventy five percent of children at across our, our schools, Tim. Um, that's not the evidence I've I've had from the um, education minister. I've been led to believe it was business as usual. But um, I don't know if David, have you've heard anything or Dr. Ewart? 
Um, no, Chief Minister, as far as I'm aware from the Department of Education, the figures have been quite high and normal um, for school attendance. The one thing I would add, Tim, is at this moment we have no concerns around school settings. Um, children's education is very, very important, even during this pandemic period. We only have to look across the water to the UK to see the severe disruption that has happened to children and also, I would say, actually, the mental health issues that come with children being separated from their school environment as well and their their networks should we say out there socially um, we would only take decisions on school if we felt we had the appropriate evidence to do so we don't have concerns in that area I know there will be a lot of people frightened and concerned out there particularly those who might have vulnerable children or be vulnerable themselves that's perfectly natural all we can do is act on the evidence we have in front of us and the evidence we have in front of us is that we believe it is perfectly safe environment people to be sending their children into tomorrow and we would urge parents to send their children to school as normal. Dr Ewart, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, nothing to add other than to fully endorse uh, what Minister has just said. Okay, thank you very much. Tim, your next question. Yes, this is to the, the Health Minister, if I can. Uh, you gave a really good explanation there of uh, the differences between now and the situation we're in with uh, in January. Uh, but we now know we've got the Kent variant. We know that that is much more transmissible. You mentioned that face coverings and PPE would be in evidence at the hospital. There is some uncertainty. I clearly hear the message. You're as confident as you can be, but you've also prepared people to maybe a very short notice lockdown. So wouldn't it be a good idea uh, to advise people to wear face coverings themselves still? Not at the moment, Tim, but let's remember that what we're doing in a healthcare setting is generally around medical grade PPE, plus the fact that on the island, unlike the UK, we have one hospital. If we did, for whatever reason, have a widespread outbreak in the hospital, that would put our health service in jeopardy. We're not saying we believe that that risk is there. We believe it is a sensible precaution to have. And the reason I've put that out publicly today is so that people aren't unduly worried if they go up to the hospital and they see people wandering around in medical grade PPE more than they would under normal circumstances. It's a sensible thing to have over the next 10 days or so while we assess the situation, but it doesn't show any evidence different to what we've said here today at the moment in relation to face coverings in public there will be people who will feel a lot more comfortable um i had to unfortunately do my weekly shopping trip to tesco's this morning um because my family does insist on continuing to eat um, and there were people in there that were wearing face coverings so there will be people who will find a lot more comfortable if people wish to wear them we're not saying don't um, but what we're saying is there is we are not recommending at this time because we don't believe the evidence is there that they need to but if it makes them feel more comfortable in public they should wear them and they should be respected for that okay thank you very much tim now we move on to Alex Bell from BBC Isle of Man. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to revisit the steam packet situation, please. Chief Minister, you've called it several times a, a genuine misunderstanding, and I know you've said you were happy to leave it at that, but there has to be some accountability here, I'm sure you'll agree. If the rules haven't been made clear enough and it's led to a cluster of cases which we're still dealing with, if no one from the steam packet breached the rules... What action is going to be taken against those in government who failed to make the rules clear enough? Well, it's 
there's no, I suppose there's no clear black and, black and white on, on, on this, Alex, which is what you're trying to get me to say. We felt it was clear. The steam packet genuinely felt that they were complying to what they thought were, were the rules. This this isn't a case of we've had been living with COVID for the last 10 years and therefore everyone should know exactly what they should be doing on their rules and regulations. This is the first time we've had it. OK, we've been living it, uh, with it now for, for nearly a year. But... Um, that the steam packet have interpreted it one way, our team interpreted it the other way. At no time was there any criminal um, negligence. It was just a genuine misunderstanding. And if we prosecute anyone for a genuine misunderstanding, then where, where, where do we end? So I'm happy to, to draw a line under it because now we are testing the steam packet every week and they are you know, being reassured that the full PPE will be uh, maintained and whilst on on the ship, that has to be the way forward. Obviously, um, I've asked to make sure that all um, the rules and regulations, when we send out direction notices to businesses, are are complied with, and you know, there are lessons to be learned from this. But I, I don't intend to have any um, witch hunts uh, against either side, really. Mr. Quayle, rules have to be black and white. If there's rules which are broken they cannot be open to interpretation. Yeah, and as I say, that the steam packet fully followed the rules for their English crews. It was just a, a miscommunication or they're not understanding how the rules from our side had been written that the Manx crews had to do the, the, the same. So I've, I've taken advice on, on whether there is um, any prosecution that can be made on, on this. The answer is no, and, and I'm more than happy to move forward on that. So there's going to be no further action? Not on, on, unless some evidence comes up that um, blows a hole in that, then into the evidence that we've received to date, then there'll be no further action. OK, um, to move on then, um, I think there is still some leftover frustration among businesses on the island about this freedom that they were given to choose whether they should close up yesterday or not. Uh, many places, I think possibly even a majority of places, closed uh, doing what they perceived and were told would be the right thing to do, close their doors. Some places were busy last night, some were busy this morning. Can you give business owners any assurance that if we find ourselves in this situation again, where there are known unknowns about cases, they won't have to make those decisions again? Well, no, I, I can't, Alex. I mean, because at short notice, we may have to make a, a quick decision on this. We were faced with the... Um, reality that yesterday there were a number of cases that we, we couldn't explain where they'd come from. We were testing their high-risk contacts. Now, if we hadn't have asked people to, to stay at home, we could have been in a situation where we'd woke up this morning and we had 30 cases, say, of COVID-19. I'm delighted that that's not the situation and that all the high-risks um, um, people of the two contacts have come back as negative. That's just really good news. But we couldn't take any chances, and therefore we had to do this as quickly as possible. We do have financial support out there. Um, the business support, it runs out at the end of this month, but it's still there for businesses. And the Treasury Minister and the Economic Policy Review Team will monitor this going forward to see if there is a need to come up with a scheme um, to help business. But at, at this moment in time, the, the support is there for businesses if they are adversely impacted by the results of, of, of COVID. But of course, we'll, we will take this on board. But you, you, you can't say we're not going to do it and put the island at risk just because 
Um, you know, sad as it, it may be that some parties have to be cancelled. But I don't know, David, if you want to expand on that. Yeah, if I could just on one angle, in order to mandate the closure, Alex, we would have had to bring in law to do so. Um, we can't just mandate a closure. We have to bring in regulations, um, which would be under the Public Health Act 1990 in order to do that. With the time of day, it was by the time we had actually managed to do, we had gone through everything that we knew the correct position with the testing results back, it would not have been practical to have those regulations drafted and enforced by last night. So if we had stood at the podium here yesterday afternoon and actually mandated places to close, that would have been very disingenuous of us because we wouldn't have had the regulations in place to be able to back that up. Um, I think we made the correct decision in advising places to close. Uh, my understanding is the overwhelming majority of places followed that advice. I believe most of the Manx public were very responsible as well last night and stayed at home um, for, the, for the period of last night. But also, I think, you know, if we had by some miracle managed to bring forward regulations in that very short period and mandated everywhere to close, we'd probably have been having a very different discussion today where we'd have been questioned, did you go over the top and mandate closure compared to what you've been able to announce this afternoon? Thank I think you. it's worth pointing out also, Alex, that whilst it was most regrettable that we had to do this yesterday, it was in the best interest of, of, of all of the island, and our businesses have the massive advantage over their UK counterparts that they've had nearly eight months of uninterrupted um, business on, on the island, parking our um, self-catering accommodation and hotels, etc., who are, are getting you know extra business support for that. So, of course, we don't want to make a habit of doing this sort of thing, but when a situation arises, um, which Council of Ministers was, was faced on Saturday, it seemed the best thing to do. And as I say, the business interruption scheme is still there. And if I'm sure if any business comes to the Treasury Minister and can prove they've had significant losses and that equates across the um, month of February, then they, they will get a, a favourable response. Thank you very much, Alex. Now we move on to Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Faster Mai. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. Um, if I could put to you that the course of public opinion, as a politician I'm sure you know, uh, can be rather fickle. Up until very recently, you've had massive support of the government's handling of the crisis. Now, the steam packet saga does seem to have dented confidence a little. Are you happy that you have the overwhelming support of people um, at this point in time, I mean, given the choice yesterday of stay home or go out and party, it seems, uh, according to the police at least, that many chose the latter last night. Well, that's because we asked. There was no um, legal enforcement of those rules. I'm sure if there had been legal enforcement, then... Um those people that don't respect being asked not to have a party uh, would would have complied by the rules. I think you know we've from the messages of support I get, we still have the vast majority of the public supporting this administration. Let's forget we are still um, not in lockdown. Um, we've managed nearly eight months compared with the UK in, in the last 12 months, compared with the UK who've been in virtual lockdown, give or takes various windows of, of some form for the last 12 months. So the people of the Isle of Man have been in a, a very fortunate position, and that's because we've all worked together as a team. I believe the support is still there, but um, I always do what's right for the island, not necessarily what's going to make me popular anyway. It's what's right for the island with all the best evidence that we have at our disposal. 
Thank you. And secondly, for the health minister, um, obviously good news that more vaccine is uh, going to be arriving, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks. Um, you said that you would ramp up a vaccination programme accordingly. Could that mean that we would have seven days a week in the main hubs if there is sufficient vaccine? And there will actually be certain weeks where that will happen, Simon, um, where we will have to ramp the hubs up to seven days a week in order to deliver the volume. Uh, March is one of the pivotal months in the vaccination programme. I, like I say, in the early days of the vaccination programme, I think I explained that in the briefing, but it, it's been a long time since then. So it's probably worth repeating again that March is where we start seeing the high levels of delivery coming through. Um, that is still the case. There's now potentially additional um, deliveries on top. So in, all, in certain weeks, we will have to go to seven days a week and we have staffed up accordingly. We've planned since the very beginning for that to happen. Um, what we've done previously is in order to be efficient, we've managed to get the hubs to three days of high efficiency with people flowing through. That doesn't mean we've delivered any less vaccine. It just means we've done what other the same amount of vaccine that would have been spread over seven days in three. But certainly in forthcoming weeks, people will see the hubs operating seven days a week in certain weeks due to the level of vaccines coming into the island and again that's a good news story thank you very much okay well thank you all very much for those questions next week we hope to be sharing our longer term plan for exiting measures i had wanted to publish this last week but we've had to pause whilst we dealt with the most recent developments thank you to everyone out there for everything that you are doing please continue to make the right decisions for you your family and our island Every action makes a difference. Help us to protect the health service and the most vulnerable members of our community. Your actions are helping protect our island. You can do this by remembering the basics. And if you have the slightest concern about any COVID-like symptoms, then please call 111 as soon as possible. Now, finally, um, turning on the birthday theme, I would like to give a shout out to William Macon, who is eight. William's birthday party had to be postponed yesterday for the second time. I'm really sorry about this, William. Happy birthday, and I hope your parents are able to rearrange your party and that you have a great time. That's all for now. Thank you. Bye-bye.